Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Points of Brew podcast with me, Stephen Carter. And this week I am joined by Jack from Tartarus Beers. How are you doing, Jack? You okay? Yeah, I'm brilliant. I'm uh, very good, yeah. Good, 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 good. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining. It's uh, it's almost a bit like deja vu for us today, given that we've already seen each other today. Uh, you dropped some beers off at the shop to send some off and dropped us your latest beer off. So it almost feels like we've <laughs> this will be our second sort of in-depth discussion today, giving you a hit at the shop for a while. But uh but I appreciate you giving your time up, mate. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate uh, your help today as well, getting those orders out. So, no, it's uh, always always happy to help, mate. You know, it's all, all in the name of good beer. As long as we can get keep getting good beer out to people, that's the main thing. That's the main thing. So, but yes, it's uh, just as we were saying. It's it's a shame that we are stuck inside doing this when it's such a nice day outside. It'd be it'd be nice if we were sharing some beers outdoors somewhere, albeit in a tap room or a pub or something. It'd be much better, wouldn't it? It would be. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, when we when we can finally uh, go out to the pubs and uh, tap rooms again. Fingers crossed yeah. as we as we record, we're just sort of two and a half weeks from beer gardens opening up again. So with outdoor catering, so fingers crossed with the schools going back, it seems to not have put the mockers on those plans. So fingers crossed if we if when we come across each other again at some point, it'll be sharing a few beers outdoors somewhere at one one tap room or venue or another. But uh, as, I, as I keep saying, uh, a lot of things can change in two weeks. So I'm sort of waiting with bated breath, really. Yeah, yeah a, lot of, a lot can change in two weeks, especially uh, under Boris. Um, <laughs> God knows. Yeah, with, yeah. He's, he's a fan of U-turns, isn't he? That's the, uh, that's the thing he's been doing. Yeah. So, But uh, it was quite, quite reassuring, the last announcement, when he said it's, it's not happening again. You know, it's, this is the last time it'll happen. So whether or not it's to be believed, we will see. But... Like I say, the kids haven't spoiled it for everybody just yeah. yet. So hopefully that uh, stays that way, mate, stays that way. So, uh, but yes, but thanks for joining, Jack. So it'll be sort of good to get to to know you a little, a little bit better, the beers and, and the brewery and how, how things came to be. So um, we'll start off. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, about yourself and, and the brewery and how it came to be. Yeah, so, I mean, I sort of got my sort of love for craft beer whilst in uni. Um, I was doing a master's in chemistry at Hull Uni um, and they had a huge, uh, well, back in, back when I was there, loads of Belgian beers uh, all around Hull in the bars. So that kind of triggered my love of beer and um, sort of craft beer. Um, so yeah, uh, I met my partner at Hull Uni as well. Um, and after uni, well, she got a lab job in Harrogate. I then followed suit. I got a lab job in Wakefield. Uh, so we both moved to Leeds. Uh, it was pretty central for both of us. And whilst in the lab job, um, the craft beer obsession just kept growing, really, um, to the point where, you know, I'd spent 60 quid on Tactical Nuclear Penguin and Sink the Bismarck. Um, you know, I was just <laughs> like, oh, if they release them, yes, I'll buy all of it. Um, and yeah, whilst there, I just started homebrewing, uh, which was really what kicked off uh, my sort of, you know, brewery journey. Um, you know, and I've, I always enjoyed sharing my beer. You know, I think I probably drank, if, if I drank a quarter of my own homebrew, that would probably be about it. You know, I always gave most of it away to people like, I've just done this. Here, try. Um, yeah. And I kept getting great feedback. They were like, have you, you know, have you thought about becoming a brewer? And I was like, well, no, it's never something I've really thought about, but that could be quite interesting, quite cool. So she's like, you know what? Mm. I'm just going to do it. 
um, you know, sort of gave up the science and was like, yeah, just just start brewing. So I, I mean, I applied to a lot of breweries. Um, you know, it, it's quite difficult game to break into because um, there's so many experienced yeah. craft brewers and, you know, a lot of them just keep moving around from one brewery to another. So I finally got in at a uh, local trad brewery up in the North York Moors, a place called Helmsley. Um, and I sort of cut my teeth doing everything there, really. Um, three days a week, I was brewing, racking and cleaning. And then, um, or three days a week, even Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then uh, uh, Thursdays and Fridays were deliveries or bottling um, there. So I was there eight months. And it was, I was driving an hour there and an hour back. I was doing, I think it was a hundred miles a day. Um, it just, wow. just wasn't sustainable. <laughs> so I was like, I've, I've got to come close to yeah. home. So I ended up um, moving and working at Northern Monk, um, became a brewer there. Um, obviously it was vastly different from Helmsley, a lot more craft. Um, the yeah. kit was just, Helmsley was pretty much, you did everything. It was manual. It was, you know, you turned, you, you almost had to crank the pumps at Helmsley to get them to go. You know, it was, <laughs> mm. So <laughs> very yes, I mean, you know, Northern Monkey was like, oh yeah, you push that button. Um, and then this just happens. And you're like, oh, sweet. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. and you know, the scale was massive. I was brewing 800 litre batches at Helmsley. At Northern Monkey, we were doing like two, 6,000 litre batches a day. You know, the scale was huge. Um, and then from there, I ended up at uh, Brew York as one of their brewers. I uh, was there a year and a half. And I kind of, I kind of always knew I wanted to set up my own brewery, um, but I just didn't have the funds or, you know, the, I was quite daunting to just to go, I'm going to go get a loan because you've got to put like your house down as collateral and you're just like, hmm, yeah, it's pretty risky. <laughs> so yeah. I thought, well, <laughs> if, I, if I stay nano, keep it small in the house, low overheads and just see how it goes. So I started building my kit um, and then it was, well, first lockdown actually um, really kicked it off because I got this 100 litre kit and I was just like sitting there not really doing anything. So maybe it's time to get my licenses and that was it. First, uh, first lockdown started doing all that application, which uh, mm. luckily all passed. And then it wasn't until August, September time that we released our first beers because um, we needed labels, needed to get you know beer brewed and packaged um there was, there was a lot of things getting sorted out the labels took quite a long time because um my, my artist who does them sam i mean he's fantastic um you know the, the artwork is brilliant um, but it took him a while to get um the formatting right and get them in a format that you know, the label printers were happy with and then the label printers took quite a long time getting that set up for us so but yeah then that was it. Uh, the first three beers were Black Pepper Belgian Triple, a Saison, and the 17% Stout. So uh, what yeah. what a first three beers to come out with. Yeah, sort of a great opening catalogue rather than going, we'll take it steady, we'll brew it, we'll brew a pale, sort of a session IPA lager or something steady to test the water, see how it goes, but jump, jump both feet first yeah 17 percent stout yeah I, why not? I did I, I kind of knew when i had my art when i had looked at the artwork so how good that was and i knew the styles of beer i wanted to do just like you know what i'm not i'm not going to come in into the scene gently um i'm gonna come in uh wielding an axe screaming and make sure that everyone knows i'm here <laughs> um 
and, and yeah. why not? And uh, I think, you know, I think we've, we've done that, you know, we've achieved that. And on such a small scale, I mean, we are brewing on a hundred liter kit. Um, it's one of the smallest commercial kits in the UK at the moment, I think. Um, I think yeah. there's a couple of breweries smaller than me. Um, I think good name, Crafty Cats uh, spring to mind as well, um, that are slightly smaller. But uh, yeah, 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 it's uh, it's been interesting. Yeah, yeah, but like you say, in, there's so much sort of similarity and sort of sameness, for want of a better word, in terms of beers that are out there at the moment. You know, there's a lot of pales, a lot of New Englands, a lot of stouts out there. But for you to do something that is sort of it's not different in terms of the style, but you know, who else is cranking out four different versions of a 17% stout and saying, this is our stout catalog. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's nice to have that, like you say, just this is us, this is what we do. And almost slapping people at the face and saying, Oh yeah, that is, it's a 17% as well. It's, it's not different for just the sake of being different. It's actually sort of pushing boundaries of like you say, the, the kit of, of what you you've got and what people do generally drink as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was uh, when I when I built my kit, I knew that I wanted to do big, strong beers. So one of the first things I did was when I got a hundred liter kettle, I was like, "Great, what size mash tun am I going to need?" Because I need to, you know, I need it to be pretty big. So my mash tun is actually one hundred and sixty liters. Yeah. So it's nearly double the size of my kettle, just so I can do these big beers. I mean, a baden is still double mashed. I have to do two separate smaller mashes. Um, but you know, I managed to do the barley wine that was as a single mash that was that which is thirteen point two percent. So that's that was all done in a single mash. Uh, the quad mm. five that was a single mash as well. So that's kind of side the sort of the ABs I can hit with that kit just with doing one mash, which is really a well makes my life easier as well because <laughs> double mashes are a long day. Yeah, so anything to make it a little bit easier for me. So um, so was that sort of your, when you said you spent a lot of money on sort of TNP and that, is that kind of where that sort of love for the stronger stuff came and there's like, oh, I'd quite like to do that or did that come over time or was that sort of almost like a light bulb moment of I'd really like to do something ridiculous like that? Or I mean, yeah, I've, I've always been a lover of the strong base. Um, mm. I mean, barley wines, imperial stouts, Belgian quads, they've always been like, not I mean it's probably bad to say that they're my go-to beer but because that makes me sound like a pisshead um <laughs> but they kind of are I'm just like oh yeah. you know what I want a beer what do I like well I like them <laughs> so yeah. you know, if, if I'm in Belgium you'll quite often see me just sat with a quad like just that that would be my drink in Belgium it'll be generally a strong triple or a quad and then you know I'll have I'll have the blondes and stuff but they're just a little bit weaker so i might start off with the blonde and then go all right warmed up onto, onto the big stuff yeah, yeah. so yeah it, it kind of spawned from that and that that's styles of beer that i loved so i just kind of went right i'm gonna you know make my kit so i can do those beers and baden was me just testing out just how big i could go with it yeah um and turns out pretty pretty big yeah it's like so 17 percent's not to be sniffed at is it so it's but just just from pure feedback of people buying it in the shop, you know, I said to you, well, there's a regular customer who he bought, he, you know, bought all four one week. He came in the next week and, and he bought all four again. Um, you know, he, he came in today and he bought he bought Cthulhu, you know, you triple that you've got. You know, he, he likes his, his strong anything, basically, you know, strong stouts, IPAs, 
whatever it is he likes the strong stuff and he bought them but you know we first time we got them in we had somebody who bought 10 bottles of just the normal abaddon it's like people are clearly wanting this strong stuff just because either like it or b it's like wow it's 17 percent. i've got to try something that is genuinely that strong yeah. um you know there's there's a demand for yeah. it clearly so it's it's great well, it's the same thing as brewdog doing touch nuclear penguin people wanted it because it would probably be the strongest beer they've ever had mm. um yeah one of the reasons i bought it it is still the strongest beer i've had i do have a stronger one but i haven't drank that one yet <laughs> um but yeah you know it, it's one of those things people just like um and it's why why craft is great uh because it gives you lead room to just do big mad crazy beers and people will still buy it you know people want to try it and if you can make a big stupid crazy beer taste really good that people actually want to come back for it well that's a bonus you know i i've done a couple of uh, tastings and events and stuff and Baden has featured in some of them and we've had you know brewers actually on the call tasting it and just you can see when you're chatting about how you make the beer and everything that goes into it even brewers are like okay wow and I've been getting really good feedback from brewers that have had it and you know the general drinking public at, at large so it's been it's been really good and Yes, yeah, so it's a lot of work to produce that particular beer, but I'm glad to say that it's paid off. It's it worth, worth yeah, the yeah. amount of <laughs> effort. Yeah. Well, this is it. It's obviously from you coming from a, a background of working for the likes of Northern Monk and Brew York. It's different for you brewing that beer because obviously it's not that you don't sort of care about. Obviously, you do care about the final product, but it's not sort of yours, is it? Do you know what I mean? It's not your business as such whereas obviously now it is everything that you do is literally it's it is yours all the way so you're the one that's getting the positivity from it and from the flip side the negativity for it but it's it's a lot different in a way isn't it to doing it yourself and running it yourself yeah i mean um there's a lot of people i think out there who are setting up breweries because they want to brew beer and mm. uh, there may be home brewers or you know from backgrounds where you know they've got a bit of brewing experience from home brewing but they want to go commercial with it what would say is Go work at a brewery if you just want to brew beer work for someone because my job is yeah. probably 10 percent brewing you know that that's that's it uh this week i've brewed twice last week i think i brewed once next week i'm brewing once and the rest of the time isn't brewing it's admin it's deliveries it's yeah. sales it's um you know doing the you know going out delivering trying to drum up new business and you know it, and about doing all your government work, making sure your compliance is up yeah. to scratch. So if you want to brew beer and if you want, if you want to design your own beers, then you, yeah, you've probably got to work up to head brewer where you can start doing that or set up your own brewery. But if you set up your own brewery, mm. there's like 90% stuff where you, that's probably the last thing you're thinking about is designing a new beer. <laughs> you know, I, I sometimes yeah. just be sat in bed at night and just go, Oh, I should probably come up with a new idea for something. Um, my schedule's looking a bit bare because uh, mm. you've just completely forgotten that, you know, with everything else that you're doing, that, yeah, you actually need to brew. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Well, this is it. We were back, we were chatting in shop earlier. It's obviously like, you know, doing this, it's, you know, it's an hour, but it's an hour out of your time of, like you say, you've got to do everything. You've got to do this. You've got to do the, the self promotion, the sales, the social media, the recipes, the, you know, like you say, the brewing is just, I've done that this morning, but like, like today coming out towards dropping beer off, sending beer out, it, it's literally 
you. There's no delegation. It's not, oh, I've brewed, that's my job done. It can go next to person to pack it and ship it. And it's literally, that's all your all your remit. It's it's so challenging. I, I mean, 100%. I mean, when, when I was working at Northern Monk, it was literally, uh, I was shift brewing. So I'd either be in at six o'clock in the morning or I'd be in at around about 11 to 12 o'clock yeah. in the afternoon. Um, and it was literally turn up, brew, get the wort into the fermenter, make sure it's right, and then that's it. You're done. Yeah. You oh, right home time. Yeah. And you just <laughs> you know swan off and you and you leave it to the next person who's you know who's doing the brew behind you or mm-hmm. doing the cleaning. You know, um, as on a shift brew, if you've finished the day's brews, you kind of cleaned down. Um, luckily with that kit, there wasn't too much cleaning because it had a a full CIP for which is clean and placed where you cost it and everything once a week. Mm. That was enough to scrub any tannins off. So all you need to do is make sure that it was visually clean, no right. grain around the place or hot debris in there. Um, so yeah, and that, that was your job. You just brewed, cleaned up, left. And now it's brew, clean up, sales, yeah. admit, due to return, <laughs> new, new beer design, have the labels arrive. Where are the labels? I'm running low on this chemical. Whoops, uh, we forgot to order bottles. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everything, yeah. And this is it, and it's all those little things that you you sort of, in a bigger scale brewery, you don't think about, like you say, in in a certain extent, in Northern Monk, like you say, a lot of it's mechanised almost. You know, you just push this button, this does that, and then it does it all for you. Like now, like you say, it'll all transversely be manual and cleaning down and things. It's completely and utterly different. I think it's one of the things that until you sort of, like you say, you see it to believe it almost in terms of how different the the scales and sort of technology and techniques are. Yeah, and it's 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 mental because you just when when you go to a new brewery as a brewer and you think, oh, you know what, I've got experience as a brewer, I'm just going to turn up and I'm going to brew. No, mm. every kit yeah. is different. Um, people's processes change. Um, because I've worked at so many breweries and I like to put in new techniques, a lot of breweries, when they brew an IPA, they'll do a little bit of bittering, whirlpool, dry hop. So they may reduce the temperature of the wort, whirlpool in uh, the hops at 80 degrees, and there'll be no hops during the boil, bar some bittering. Yeah. Um, or maybe they won't even use the bittering, they'll just bitter it using the whirlpool hops at the end. Some people will do timed additions, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes with the hops in the boil and get bitterness out that way. A lot of people, you know, just throw in do majority dry hop to get the flavor. Other people prefer the whirlpool flavor. There's just so many different things, which has been great for me because now I've kind of absorbed all of this and my beers are they're never really too the same because I'm constantly using these different techniques to influence the flavor of the beers. Um, so yeah. I use boil hops. I use the tap, you know, the um, back end boiling hops for West Coast stuff for more things like hell. It was whirlpool. They all sort of slightly reduce the temperature of the wort. We'll pull those hops in to try and get a little less bitterness into the beer. Cthulhu, yeah. there's just loads and hops just everywhere in the boil. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just lobbing them in. And both Cthulhu and Hell were dry hopped as well. Um, a lot of my beers aren't dry hopped. Um, I prefer uh, for the Belgians to try and get the sort of subtle hop character from the boil and maybe a bit of whirlpool. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just just a mix mash of all sorts of different techniques because it gives my beer lots of diversity and range being able to do that. So that's yeah, yeah. always <clears throat> always great. And it means that uh, 
you know, I'm not stuck to a certain routine. I can go, you know, for this beer, I think this might work better. So, yeah. and I'm, and I'm, yeah, it gives my kit's set up for all that. So, which is, which is great. A lot of kits aren't, you know, they're set up for one yeah. specific uh, process. So, and, and, and coming to your hell, that's, that's what we are both drinking to, to this afternoon, which, is this one that you held up earlier? So, people who are sort of listening or watching or watching in particular, be like, "Is he drinking a stout?" Which it's not a stout. So, sort of, I've not, I've not, I've not <laughs> changed instantly. But this is your sort of, your, like, say, your black feet dipper, which I was. It's bloody lovely. It's it, it's 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 very odd that I don't like stouts, but a black IPA, I'll I'll drink all day long. There's just something about a black IPA that. For me, it's got that nice balance of that hoppiness, but that sort of subtle smokiness from that you get from that dark malt that you put in a stout, which is just the right level for me, yeah. which is what puts me off stouts quite a lot, is that sort of heavy smokiness and that those coffee flavours is what puts me off. But that is like a, a perfect balance between the two for me. And it is bloody, like, to say that's a dipper, you wouldn't have a clue that that is pushing dipper territory. It's yeah. not at all. So... It, it's i mean hell for me was a real experiment I've, I've never done a black ipa before um and i didn't and when you use these dark malts they can get really roasty really mm. overpowering and i didn't want that in the beer yeah um when you so i had to change up my process again for this particular beer so what i did was i mean that it's basically kind of a west coast uh, malt base there's some crystal malts in there uh, for character mm. it's mostly pale malt uh there's also carafa one which is a german roasted malt uh which makes okay. it quite dark that i used to bring the color up but if i'd left it there it would have been brown so i mashed all of that mm. in then when it came to drawing that worse out of the mash and into the kettle and then doing the sparge where you rinse the mash with hot water i used a darker malt called carafa three yeah. now carafa three is one of the darkest malts on the market at the moment and what I did was I scattered that across the top of the grain bed and then I put sparged the water. So with the hot water, rinsed it through that mm. grain. What I did was it absorbs a lot of the color, but doesn't absorb as much of the roasty uh, characters as if I'd mashed it. Because obviously with a mash, it sat there for an hour with a sparge, it's you know, okay. constantly having water run over it and it's not having a lot of time to soak. So mm -hmm. you get a lot of color. And that's what then turned the beer from being brown to black. So that's that's why that's sort of a nice dark colour, but it's not yeah. too roasty. It's not too sort of chocolatey and sort of smoky. Um, and then absolutely no bittering hops in this beer. Um, mm. I just boiled it for an hour. And then at the end of the hour, knocked off the boil, uh, started whirlpooling. So I've got a nice sort of vortex going in my kettle. And then... I added the four uh, so, um, Southern Hemisphere hops that I used in this, yeah. which uh, luckily I've got in the back of the bottle, so I don't have to remember. I can't remember them. <laughs> I, I, I can, but I, I always I always feel like, oh, was it Pacific Gem? And then it's no, no, I used Vic, um, Vic Secret. So it's Topaz, yeah. Ella, Nelson, and Vic Secret. So that was Whirlpooled in, and that was 10 grams a litre hops, um, which obviously in the craft beer world, everyone's some people like to put the grams a litre on the back of the can um so that's it's a fairly high yeah, yeah. hopping rate um so it was 10 grams a litre in the whirlpool and then uh yeah just cast it in this was fermented at 35 degrees with uh kivik yeast 
and I used a bit of a different one. Most people, because um, it's very easy to get a hold of using Voss, Kivik Yeast. Um, with this one, I actually yeah. used uh, Valkyrie, <clears throat> which is a different strain. Voss is supposed to give you that orange kind of flavor. Valkyrie is meant to give you guava. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I've had quite a lot of people comment that it's quite okay. stone fruity, the beer, um, which I do guess. Um, mm. I also get quite a lot of that sort of uh, crystal caramel sort of chocolatey yeah. characteristic as well, but smells smells really good. <laughs> it's, I think as, as one of my, as my beers go, this one I'm particularly, uh, I was actually, I think this is one of the beers that I'm happiest with. Um, if I did it again, I wouldn't change anything about it. Um, it's not my favourite mm. beer, but I'm, it's the one that I've designed it, brewed it, and went, yeah. that's exactly how I wanted it to turn out. Because um, you never, when you're doing new beers, you're never really sure how it's quite going to turn out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it was dry hops with 10 grams a litre, dry hops as well. So in total, it's uh, 20 grams a litre hop uh, content, um, whirlpool and dry hops. So it's 50 50 split between those two which is you know, like you say it's, it's a very oh, it's quite a high hopping rate but i mean nelson is one of my sort of favorite hops at the moment you know without question i think nelson gives such a lovely lovely flavor off you know the southern hemisphere that sort of that and galaxy i think are my favorite two of the southern hemisphere ones but i think yeah. that is just a perfect <laughs> blend of when people say what's it like someone someone asked me today is like what's it what's a black ipa like and it's like it's it's hard to it's like almost when things you, you need to try it, you need to give it a world because it's just a complete mind bender. I always say is that you see it and it's like, so is it a stout? And it's like, no, it's not a stout. It's like, it's like almost like a hoppy stout, but it's not even a stout. So it's always a, a tricky one to explain until you sort of try yeah. it. You, it's, it's hard to sort of sell it to somebody almost really. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. Um, I mean, I know uh, quite a lot of people don't like calling it black IPA. They want to call it, um, uh, a Cascadian dark ale. Yeah. Um, that that was the original term for a hoppy dark beer was the Cascadian dark ale. Mm. And because people are just like, you can't have a black IPA because it's black yeah. India pale ale. It doesn't yeah, it's not a pale ale if it's black, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know I'm I'm quite happy with an oxymoron. I think uh, you know, uh, you know, oxymorons make the world go round. So uh yeah. but yeah, no, I'm I'm so I'm I'm really pleased with it. And again, when I, when I was like, I'm going to do a dipper, I was like, I can't just do a dipper. That's not my style. Oh, I could do yeah, a black yeah. dipper. Ah, still not weird enough. Do a mm. black Kivik dipper. Yeah, and then yeah. again, it was... Now we're talking. Uh, yeah. And then again, it was just like, uh, do, do I make it 8%? And then I was like, well, no, everyone does that. It's like the, it's like the baseline for calling it a dipper is having it at 8%. So yeah. everyone does it. Everyone's like, ooh, mm. new dipper, 8%. <laughs> so I was just like, right. What, what's a weird nut? 8.9. There we go. Yeah. We'll go We'll go for that. So I designed the recipe and I was like, yeah, I'm going to shoot for 8.9%. Plugged it in and I've, I've nerded it out. I've got a spreadsheet for recipe design. It does calculations <laughs> and all sorts. Calculates the colour. It does everything. It's brilliant. Um, and I was like, right, put it all in. That equals 8.9. Done. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, I was, uh, again, uh, as we'll come on to, um, with the tipper, I was just like, can't just do it 10 and i was like oh tipper 10 percent yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's funny because we were saying there's a neon wrapped one that's coming to the shop this week and that's a tipper and it's nine percent and it's like is a nine percent really a tipper it's like it's like that view and it? it's like like say a double yeah. i agree a dipper is eight i think is 
bare minimum has to be eight for a dipper, but then a tipper is that at nine percent. Is is it really a triple at, at nine? Yeah, I mm. I I hold issue. It, it, it's almost like it's almost like they were like, oh, we'll brew a tipper, and then it didn't quite make the percentage of get, and they just went, ah, I still can't be a tipper. It's fine. No one will care. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you dry hopped it to the tipper level, then mm. call it like triple dry hops or something. You know, you, yeah, if yeah. you've used so much dry hop, just just say, oh, I was a triple dry hops dipper, not a triple IPA, because mm. it's like mm. it's meant to be stronger, yeah, yeah. not just hoppier. So, well, this is the thing. It's is there's always there's a style guideline, is the what is and isn't, but it's always su- a subjective thing in it. Really, you've got creative license, I suppose, in some yeah. some ways, but I think with numbers, well, it's a bit different. Yeah. I mean, New England. Then when the New England IPA came out, it kind of just smashed the um, sort of the conventional uh, pale IPA, double IPA, triple IPA, um, sort of, you know, where they fell, it's just smashed that open because yeah. uh, classic New England's aren't bitter. So their IBUs are normally sort of floating around the 20s, 30s, the very low IBU, even for your triple mm. uh, tip, you know, New England uh, IPAs, they're not very bitter. And one of the things was was when you when we still had the West Coast beers, it was a pale, is like you know under five point five percent for uh, the American pale ale. It's you know 30, 40 IBUs, and you know it's fairly hoppy. That was the pale. Then your IPA was like right, sort of 50, 50 to sixty IBUs. Um, over 5%, but uh, 5.5%, but not higher than eight. And that's the IBU range and the percentage range. And it's hoppier than a, you know, tastes hoppier than the pale. Perfect. All the numbers are fitting. Double IPA, shooting, you know, 70 IBUs to 80, maybe 90 IBUs. And, you know, it's over 8%, but not above 10. And some did, but then this sort mm. of went, oh, it's an imperial IPA. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, it's even hoppier than, you know, the pale, so the IBUs were higher, the, <laughs> it was hoppier, stronger. Yeah. And the triple IPA, you're like 90 to 100 plus IBUs, over 10%, really intensely hoppy. And, you know, you kind of followed the IBU guideline. And then New England's came up and just like, yeah, we'll just, yeah, those IBUs just scrap them that. in and we're done. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I mean, as craft beer goes, it's always evolving and, you know, you just got to, you know, if you're brewing a West Coast series and you're doing that, then yeah, follow the IBUs. If you're doing, you know, um, New England, then follow like a grams per liter hopping rate uh, guide, you know, pale, you know, five to six grams a liter and then just go from there, you know, just uh, just adapt, yeah. adapt and overcome. And and sort of this is why sort of West Coast IPA is always sort of edgy for me is that as much as I love my New England's, sort of the bitterness of a of a Westie where sort of when you nail it, I, I just I just love that bitterness that runs through it. And obviously we're we're coming on to Cthulhu later on, which is the the second beer that we've got we've got going for for this record. So which is a, a, a sort of not a blind test but a first taste test for me, which you dropped off for me today. So the sort of the the proof will be in the pudding. But I've got very high sort of high expectations, which I assume will be will be met given sort of the chats we've had off I mean, off record and off air about it. So and 130 IBUs as well is a is a fair old whack of yeah. bitterness. I mean, it again. It was uh, so. Hell was a brand new beer off 
you know, straight off the cuff. It was, you know, designed with Cthulhu. It actually was a homebrew recipe mm. that I had, that I did six, seven years ago, um, back kind of before the New England trend. So it, you had, you know, uh, I think I'd heard of maybe two triple IPAs back then. And that was it. And I was just like, oh, mm. they, they sound interesting. And I had them and I was like, wow, yes, I want to do that. Um, and that's, you know, so I designed this and it was Galaxy, Simcoe and Sriracha Ace back then. Couldn't get a hold of Sriracha Ace. Um, but luckily, there's that new hop that everyone loves, uh, Sabro. <laughs> some people love it, some people hate it. Um, and again, it had this, it boasted that sort of coconut flavor. And I was like, perfect. That's why I used Sriracha Ace with the coconut. So I'm going to, you know, going to use this, the uh, Sabro yeah. expensive hop. <laughs> well, my takeaway is Galaxy and Sabro, very expensive. Yeah, which I, I love, I've loved Sabro since it's come out. I think it's so nice. It's it's weird because generally speaking, coconut, I don't eat coconut. Like I hate the texture of coconut, eating it like desiccated coconut, all that. I, I absolutely hate it. Like the actual flavour and the aroma that it gives, though, I love it. And that that coconut even bit that so, like Sabro gives when it's mixed with hops in the right way, I think is just makes a perfect combination of sort of like when it's blended with sort of citrus, Simcoe, those are the hops that give it that sort of extra edge. I, I just, I love it. It's so nice. And um, we had a couple of cloud water beers coming mm-hmm. today that were Sabro. I was like, yep, I'm having one of each of them because I just, I love it. Just give me all the Sabro. Just give me it all. So interestingly, obviously me, I personally, I love Sriracha Ace. I, like 90% of people I've talked to have told me that it deserves to burn in hell as a hop. Um, <laughs> I loved it. And then Sabro came out and it's like, yes, another hop that's got that kind of characteristic. So yeah, I've, I've really loved Sabro as well. My girlfriend hates it. Can't mm. stand Sabro. Um, we, so we try to, cause Jordan's very picky about her hops. Um, she likes yeah. certain hops, hates other ones. So we're trying to compile like a list mm. of hops that she likes and ones that doesn't. Um, so we are yeah. finding breweries that advertise what hops they have on the can. Go, oh, you haven't had this hop yet. We'll try with this one. And oh, like it. Right. It's on the tick list of hops you like, you know, because I'm not, <laughs> um, I wasn't a massive fan of Talus. Um, oh, same as me. Yeah. I had a North one recently. I think it was the Into the Merzbau that they did recently with Talus in it. And I, I found that really, really, like I love, like I said, I love Westies, like that pininess, I like that resinous. But yeah. to me, it's just overly, overly fragrantly pine, like piney, like too much, which that might have just been that yeah. particular beer. But since I've had it, I've just stayed clear of anything with Talus in it. I, I have had one beer that I know has had Talus in it. Um, it came in a subscription box. It's uh, Tool Brewery. Oh, yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm terrible with anything. I've seen all sorts of different methods and ways of pronouncing that brewery, I'm, to be honest. I mean, to be honest, I'm terrible with other languages. I'm terrible with English as well. So, uh, you know, I'm just, <laughs> just, just a non starter of language. But yeah. um, it came and I got two. It was the Mono Stereo mm. uh, series. Right. So, the, uh, I think they're based kind of New England IPAs, but they're all with a single hop mosaic one. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of mosaic. I think it may have just been a bad batch when I was working uh, at Northern Monk and then sort of beginning of um, through York. It just kept tasting really onion and garlic to me, mosaic. That one, yeah. it must have been a good batch of mosaic because it was fantastic. 
Um, and then, yeah, it was single hop talus. I mean, I drank it, but it was yeah. hard. <laughs> like, it was just, oh, God. I, yeah, I, I in that particular bit, I got it was yeah. really like herbal. Like, just as if you'd just gone mm. to your cup, got the mixed herbs and gone, yeah, that, that'll taste nice. Just eat them. Um, it was weird. Really yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, my description when I had that one is almost like, do you know, like if you get like pine fresh toilet duck. That's so which is which is a horrible, horrible description of something. And obviously, if you if you had a if you, you made that and you had your beer described as that, you'd think, what an idiot. But like to me, it was just so fragrantly piney that it, that was just the immediate thing I just thought of. It's just like air freshener toilet ducky that sort of ballpark like I say, it might have been that particular yeah. beer that did it in the sort of the blend yeah. and the quantity um but there's a there's a ridgeside beer that's come in that is just their hold fast it's a single hop talus which james keeps saying to me oh you need to buy it and try it you know you love it and it's just like it's only four quid but i don't want to buy a beer that i'm just going to drink and just either have to just chug it down or just chuck yeah. it because i don't like wasting beer and i don't like yeah. drinking beer that's, that's hard work so yeah, that's that's one of the ones that sort of the only hop really that I found that I don't enjoy. I, you know, um, I really like, I, I really like the noble hops. Um, absolute sucker for um like Saz and uh, like the Harleter and like Tetnang and all those kind of ones. The, the just the traditional German ones. I actually use yeah. them so much. <laughs> like all mm. all of my Belgian beers have them in. So uh, you're looking. At, um, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, Baku, Clud, um, Elf all have them in. Um, you know, I just, I, yeah, Enon Roth, the smoked lager, that's got the, um, I think it's Pearl and Sars in that one. Yeah, just mm. absolutely love it. And I try and stick away from the American hops, just, I, just everyone uses them. I'm like, ah, I just want to try and showcase yeah. some other things. Um, although Demeter, unfortunately, we had to recall it due to really i mean it was you opened it it hit the ceiling um it was bad um but before <laughs> before then it was tasting really good and it was um eldorado uh azaka and oh, i can't remember the other one but it was it was kind of like the unsung sort of american hops because everyone's mosaic and citra and simcoe and i was like i'm gonna use these other yeah, ones yeah. that i really like i've had before um and then hell stuck again all southern hemisphere um and actually, the barley wine is all English hops. Um, I, I used yeah. to, I quite often take the uh, mick out of Foggles as a hop, um, but uh, <laughs> I actually I actually went well doing an English barley wine. Let's get some Foggles. So I got to use English hops. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used Olicana as well, which is a kind of a new wave English hop. It's supposed to be really funky, yeah. and I think that worked actually really well and balanced with the Foggles. But yeah, uh, got a new triple in tank, and that actually was Mosaic Canella. Um, along with the stout also, I think, being mosaic and because it's a raspberry yeah. chocolate cake stout that I've done. And then it's a fruited Belgian triple, so I was like, oh, I need some fruity hops. So I was like, yeah. ah, okay, yeah, I'll get to really Yeah. <laughs> Everything's got its place, though, hasn't it? You know, I think, like you say, I think English hops sort of get a bad rap just because the American stuff gives you all those juicy, you know, notes and sort of bitterness as well from them as well it's that in comparison the english hops just seem a little bit boring sometimes um but yeah. you know like you said when they're used properly you know when they're used properly in the right sort of beers then i think they have their own sort of time and place like you say with with the german stuff as well again 
you know, they don't get as, as good a reputation as the American stuff and the Southern Hemisphere that they're getting at the minute. But it's different hops for different different purposes and different reasons and, and different beers, isn't it? That's that's the... I also think that um, with a lot of the English hops, the reason people think they're a bit bland or whatever is because the beers they're being used in, like you, you put in mm. a bitter and a mild and stuff like that and they're not heavily hopped beers. Um, you're, yeah. not, you're not throwing in like, you know, 10 grams a litre hops into those kind of beers. So I think yeah, yeah. English hops probably do have a lot of interesting flavours to offer. Um, just nobody's using them in the quantities to actually get those flavours, you know, up and sort of prominent in the beer. Mm. Um, I mean, the barley wine was, I mean, it wasn't massively hops. I think it was four grams a litre in total or something. So not, not mm. like IPA level, but it was hoppy enough that at least there would be some of those characters there. Yeah, well, this is it. It's all down to, like you say, when you're putting them in beers that aren't hopped quite extensively or used for flavouring mostly, then you're not going to get a lot of back-end product out of it, are you? So it's, you know, it's when they're used properly then. But then again, the you know, traditionally our sort of beers aren't that heavily hopped for for flavour necessarily either. So again, you're not going to get a lot of flavour out because they weren't used for that purpose. So again, it's different, different styles and different sort of historical uses that, that's that's what they've been there for but obviously america is the sort of the the powerhouse for hops with obviously the breeding programs that you've got over there from yakima valley and things so it's they're just going to keep churning different different and new hops out there every, every single year aren't they so i mean well that's all of their styles are always the dominant thing in, a, in american style of beer is generally it's more heavily hopped mm. um the american barley wine more heavily hopped you know i think uh, yeah. it was um, Sierra Nevada with Bigfoot kicked off the American barley wine things. They sent it off for analytical testing, and the testing came back and was like, "Oh yeah, your beer's too hoppy." And I think, uh, or the, the <laughs> myth goes, they went, "Thank you." Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know that, that's the American barley wine. Uh, now it's just yeah, a yeah. slightly more bitter, slightly hoppier version of the English barley wine. Um, mm. And again, we had the traditional English IPA that was you know, sent over to India in the oak cask. We had to hop it up to make it last. And then America went, oh, that's quite nice. More, more yeah. hops. <laughs> so. Typical American style, bigger, better, everything, just do everything on a, on a, a much bigger scale. If, 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 you, if, you've got, if you've done it to 10, they've, they've, they've done it to 11. Which is always the same way with America, isn't it? Everything just, we'll, we'll basically take your idea. We won't, we won't create our own idea. We'll take your idea and just, add to it we'll just chuck more at it until it's until it's fine because obviously they didn't have a beer culture really over there did they you know obviously when it was colonized they no. brought our sort of from england and, and ireland they took all their sort of drinking styles and germany as well with their lagers and things they took it all over there and just basically adapted it didn't yeah. they yeah a lot actually what you'll find is that uh, a lot of american breweries are uh, more similar to german breweries than they are to um, mm. english breweries with their setup um, a lot of yeah. Uh, Americans learn to brew either in Germany or through the Germans and they get a lot of like German style kits um, which you know mm. that suitable for you know a, a you know, vast array of different things so yeah the uh, Americans really did just uh, take from everyone else and then went oh German kits English beers and more yeah <laughs> and why not mate why not? Why you know if there's already tried and tested ways and methods, then why why try changing it at the end of the and, day? So. Well, they, they kicked off the craft beer scene, didn't they? Uh, it all started over there, so we wouldn't be. Uh, well, if I hadn't, if I'd been from Americans, probably wouldn't be having this conversation and uh, drinking these uh, insane beers. So, 
Well, well, this is it, isn't it? You know, the the you know, truth be told, the sort of this this country's beer scene was quite stagnant for a long time, wasn't it? You know, it was in a bit of a decline, and it had got just into the territory of the same macro beers and breweries of just a bitter and a, a bitter and a lager, pretty much. You know, there wasn't much in between that until this all came about. Like, you know, the guys at Oakham, they went over and found Citra, yeah. then that made Oakham Citra, and then it's just all sort of stemmed from there. But the sort of the American beers were sort of up here 10 years ago, which I think the sort of where sort of a lot closer in terms of the, the quality we're churning out now. But like you say, without it, we we wouldn't be enjoying this beer as, as we are today. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, one of the sort of most sort of powerful things I think anyone said to me was do you want to know what the newest beer trend will be in the UK look at what the current beer trend is in America mm. and then if it's a new beer trend in America wait a year and it'll be in England and it'll mm. be in England um, so we are I mean we definitely have closed the gap but we're still we're still lagging behind um, yeah I mean I'm I'm way way behind I'm just uh, I'm trying to get the Belgian stuff back in <laughs> and make that popular again come on everyone yeah, yeah. Belgian beers but it's, it's like you said now there's, there's sort of more sort of resurgence in the traditional styles so you know more people are brewing best bitters and ESBs and Belgian styles and more sort of trad styles I think that's having a bit of a resurgence as well as much as anything because we, we've got a proud a very proud heritage of cask beer which again America just doesn't have you know that when the Americans come over here they're sort of buzz over the cask beer the traditional beers that we've got and it's like you're coming over from America to drinking that to you want you want Timmy Taylor's landlord on cask and it's like, you know, they go nuts with Timmy Taylor's, yeah. but it's because they don't have it, you know, but there's been a resurgence in that sort of style of beer, hasn't there? Which is, is nice that that heritage has been brought back to life almost. Yeah, there was um, obviously being in the brewing industry. I know there was um, at one point massive call um, where American breweries were wanting English brewers mm. to go over there to basically show them how to do cask beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wanted it you know, to employ people from England so that they would go and be like, all right, and this is how we do cask. Because um, yeah. it, it's a thing that more and more people in America are trying to sort of do, um, yeah. which I think's you know, great. I'm personally a keg, keg and, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm, in the, if I'm in yeah. a pub or a bar, you know, it's generally, yeah, I'll go for the whatever's on keg rather than what's on cask, but it's all personal preference. I like, uh, I like my beer gassy apparently. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, I'm the same. You know, I'm much the same. Is that this this beer is what got me into craft beer? Until the point I discovered craft, I didn't drink beer beforehand because I just didn't want a flat, boring pint of warm water. Basically, they didn't have much taste about it. Which you know, it's a lot of beer is. You know, if you just went and had, you know, what at the time was like John Smith's or Tetley's or whatever, it just like I don't want to drink that. And then lager was yeah, it was gassy, but it had no taste to it again. But you know, and the same again. I mean, I've I've tried a couple of ESBs and things and bitters now, which I'm just trying to drink to expand my sort of my journey, really, um, as these things are becoming more popular. But this is the definitely the style I have. Yeah. But I think cask has got a, there's certain beers that work very well on cask. You know, the, the like, if you had a beer like Jaipur from Thornbridge, you know, that that to me is best on cask. You know, you, you can't, I, I don't think you can argue with that, you know, and certain beers are the same. Would I have that over anything else if I saw it on a pub? Probably not. But if I saw it, like if I go to a Thornbridge pub, I'll have a pint of Jaipur on cask because it's, it's its best form. But I'm 100% keg, like you say, I'm the same as you. I, I'm looking for that sort of that fizziness, that gassiness to a degree. I don't want something that's just a bit flat and lifeless, which it can be sometimes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things, 
I think with the carbonation, it kind of lifts the beer. Like a lot of flavors mm -hmm. come out with the carbonation. Uh, for me, you know, I've had, I've had cast beer and I, I do revisit it. I, one of the cast beers actually I really loved, um, which I was surprised by, was actually, was before I was working at Brew York, I had uh, Viking DNA on okay. cask, yeah, yeah. Um, smoked porter. And it was, you know, really good on cask. And I was like, wow. That's one beer that I have really enjoyed on cask. And actually, most of the time, I'm just like, yeah, it's all right. But I think <laughs> if, if it was within a keg, maybe maybe enjoyed it more. But yeah, a bit that better. Was, yeah. Just, and yeah. I think it's just showing summer as well, like you say, because it's always cellar conditioned and cellar cooled. It's that, I, again, I like my beers when it's cold. You know, and I know that, again, the coldness drives the flavor out and the flavor comes out as it warms up. But I'd rather have it cold. And then it warms up and gets it a bit of life together. Then it's not just warm and it just progressively gets even warmer because then that, by that time it's like, well, that's not refreshing anymore. I'm not enjoying a warm drink. I'm, I'm not drinking it because I want it to be warm. It's just got warm because I've had it for so long. But it's, I think, casking winter for me, that's the, the apt time when it's actually cold in the cellar. So it's cold to drink it as well. I've, I mean, I've got loads of beers that uh, in the range that I do, um, I'm actually sat in our like, office and i've got basically one bottle of every beer i've brewed um mm. just here this i'm a little uh cellar um of, it's like a catalog of everything but i'm just sort of <laughs> looking at it and i've got quite a lot of beers that actually have it cold and then spend time drinking it so it warms up because yeah, yeah the, the flavors do develop you know i'm uh, i'm looking at you i'm gonna um you know this this particular one this is uh clud which is our belgian quad and this this is the big bottle that we did ages ago um sold out a little while back but this is the one i aged on whiskey chips and that right. is one beer that yeah have it cold but then let it warm up mm. and you know share it with a share it with a friend um, <laughs> don't drink that by yourself yeah <laughs> yeah i mean to be honest i do quite a lot of beers that i would uh, suggest to share with a friend yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just looking i've actually got four pack of the baden staring at me as well which uh, i would definitely recommend sharing with a friend um yeah, yeah it's I'm I'm all for uh, just lots of different. Uh, cask has its place, keg has its place, but I think it's a shame bottles are sort of dying off. But uh, mm. you know, I think uh, they have their place. So a lot of beers, I think, are nice in bottle Belgian beers, IPAs maybe better fresher in can. But if you're going to drink an IPA fresh, you know, two weeks since it's you know, or within two weeks of coming out of the brewery, does it matter if it's in a can or a bottle? Yeah, we not had enough time to deteriorate anyway, so mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's like Colonel because obviously Colonel bottle all their beers, you know, they're, they're not in cans, but a lot of their sort of IPAs and pails, they're quite you know, quite hop forward with a lot of flavor, and they, they stick to bottles, you know. I think it's like you say, it is dying, and I think there is something, yeah, I'm a can drink, you know, I'm looking for, for beers in a can predominantly as opposed to bottle, but I think sort of a, a bottle is sort of like an occasion beer sometimes, you know, it's like you say, especially like for yours of a 17% stout or like that, you know, the, the, the club yeah. that's in that sort of a, a wax topped bottle, it's, it's almost an occasion beer, isn't it? It's a bit of a it's a showpiece more than a can, which I think cans do still get a bit of a, a bad rap and sort of a, it's as almost that sort of conception about cans, isn't there? A sort of from sort of just Alki's chucking tinnies back, but a bottle I think is, is, is a nice occasion beer sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I love, I've got loads of wax bottles that I bought from people. Um, and I love, I love a wax bottle. Mm. Uh, I can tell you what I don't love. I don't love a waxed can. Oh, yeah. Just, I, I bought, I bought, I, I assume you probably know the, the beer I'm on about. I bought it 
and I think I spent 10 minutes getting into the mm. thing. Um, I was just like, oh, God, yeah. wh- why? Yeah, like, I- it looked cool, and I thought, we'll give it a go. I mean, the beer inside was lovely. Mm. But I was just like, how do you even tackle a waxed can? You know, at least with a waxed top bottle, you know that there's either going to be a cap underneath it or a cork. You know, so if you can get a cork in it, at yeah. least you can screw it in and get it out. Or a button, you know, the cap, at least you can get the bottle opener in to get it. But a can, it's like, how, how do I even get into that? It's like, what, what I can I get knife. in? I got a knife and the lip, you know, it gets sort of the lips there and then it, it dips it and comes back up. Mm-hmm. I got the knife into the dip bit and then sort of twisted the can around and managed to cut the circle out. Um, but obviously it, the, it waxed on and in and under the ring pull yeah. as well. So I had to like try and peel it off that without popping the can yeah. <laughs> at the same just, time. Yeah, sometimes they're just doing it for the sake of doing it, which is just not required. And they're like all for innovation, but just sometimes just, it's like, oh, should we wax a can? No, just just no, just don't do that. Sounds good, but just don't do it. Just do not do it. But yes, I think we'll take a short pause there while we get the next beer, and then we'll uh, we'll come back yeah. and we'll uh, we'll we'll share Cthulhu and we'll uh, have a couple more questions and and wrap up after that. I think. Right. So welcome back, everyone. So we are refreshed with a, another beer in glass, the Cthulhu. So we will we'll come to the Cthulhu in terms of the actual taste in it itself in a second, Jack. But on, on the note of the name of that itself, yeah. how did the name Tartarus come about and the names for the beers themselves? Because obviously they're all sort of named after mythical creatures. So how did, how did that come to be? So I really, really love mythology. Um, in fact, it was weird. So when I was doing like A-levels, I actually did classical civilization. Well, actually I did uh, classics, which is a mix of classical civilization and ancient history. Basically like two A-levels in one. Um, mm-hmm. What we did, we studied like the Odyssey uh, and like the Iliad and stuff and learned about ancient culture through poems. And then another one where you, you know, read you know, texts and scripture that had been written firsthand, secondhand, or, you know, thirdhand, whatever. So I've always loved mythology and especially like Greek mythology. And I think it was back when I was still a homebrew, I think on in, in Instagram mm-hmm. or something, I'd, you know, on one of my homebrew uh, or personal account, gone, you know, I want to name my homebrew brewery something and I want it to be like a mythical place. And someone just went, so have you thought about Tartarus? And I was like, hmm, interesting. Because it's like the Greek, it's, the, it's literally the Greek hell. <laughs> so in Greek mythology, when you die, you go to the underworld. But it's not just okay. the underworld. There's many different areas of the underworld. Tartarus was where, like, the Titans and all the older gods, you know, before the uh, Zeus and all of them, they're, they're imprisoned there. And, you know, it's where, you know, really evil people go and be punished and stuff. And then you've got Elysium. Elysium's the, you know, really nice place that you, you want to end up. Um, and then there's others in between. And I was like, yeah, no, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I'm, yeah. You know, it's, it follows the thing that I want it to be a mythical place. Cool. Done. And it's, it's a it's a Greek it's a hell yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's that's quite a good thing to name it after, and then I, again just following on the mythology I was like you know I just want to name everything after mythical creatures um you know and I've I've got books on mythical creatures there's hundreds thousands um I've actually got a book on demons just biblical and you know demon names and what they do and whether you know who they're supposed to be and all that just not because I've necessarily believe in all that but just because it interests me to learn yeah. about 
you know, culture and stuff through that. And I was just like, and there's that about, there's over a thousand names of demons in this book. Mm. And I was like, well, I'm probably never going to run out of things to, <laughs> to name my beers. <laughs> That's really. all your names sorted then. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's all, all mythical creatures. I do try and tie as much as I can the, the creature into the beer. Um, mm. So, if it's kind of like a paler beer, it won't be something evil. Um, it's generally something sort of more nice or benign. If it's a darker beer, it's generally something a bit more sinister. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously Cthulhu is a bit of a break from that uh, rule. Um, but yeah, like the Belgian Triple, Pale, so it's an elf. Um, Hell, it's a black IPA, so it's actually the Nordic god of the underworld. Um, actually one of the uh, people who triggered mm-hmm. Ragnarok. Um, you know, the barley wine, it's not pale, but it's quite sort of like golden colour. And King Arthur, you know, it's it kind of follows on, you know, Clud, Belgian quad, dark, weird Belgian hellhound. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, yeah, so uh, Cthulhu, I think it was back when I was homebrewing, um, when I came up with this recipe, I uh, was in Brewdog in Leeds. And I think actually it might be Sam who does the artwork for my beer. I was like, I want to name it something. It's a big triple IPA, 130 IBUs, 12%. What can I call it? And he was like, Cthulhu. I was like, Ace. Yep. That'll do. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's, uh, it's a cool, cool mythical creature. And uh, yeah, I think it suits there really well. Yeah. And apart from which, what you were saying, the, the hop additions in terms of you've obviously switched out Sriracha Ace for the Sabro in terms of the actual other parts of the recipe yeah. itself. Is that, is that, have you tweaked it slightly or is, is that stayed roughly the same as well? Or Malt base is the same. The yeast is the same. Um, the only thing I did was I increased the uh, galaxy additions in the boil. Okay. Um, in the homebrew recipe, there was only one galaxy edition. I upped that, mm-hmm. um, so there are actually three. So I think during the boil, there were three editions of each hops at different times. And then I also don't think I dry hopped with galaxy in the initial recipe. With this one, it's dry hopped with all three. And I also brought the dry hop up as well. Um, that was one of the things I did because just to keep it in line with sort of the intensity of hops, hops that people are expecting now in these kind of beers, I sort of looked at it and went, yeah, it's intensely bitter and hoppy from the boil hops, but I think I just need a bit more like that fresh dry hop character in there as well. So it, you know, same yeah. base, but it is slightly tweaked, um, but not by a lot, you know. Same DNA. Yeah, yeah. Well, it comes back to what you were saying earlier, is that obviously I think a lot of brewers will, especially like say for brewers that are brewing their own beer, it's, if it's their own brewery, not necessarily for a brewer for a, a big brewery, is that they're always never quite happy with what they're doing. You know, they're always looking at it with an analytical eye as opposed to just a pure drinker's eye. You know, it's like, oh, I enjoy that. But then it's like, oh, but it could be a little bit more hoppy it could be a little bit more bitter or a bit more sweet or you know there's always that sort of self bit of criticism or doubt almost I suppose like you say with hell it's nice that we go that's exactly what I wanted it to be and I wouldn't change anything about it as as Cthulhu goes um yeah I'm happy with the recipe as it is now um the homebrew recipe was Mm. great uh I loved I loved it back when I brewed it but I think this is this is pretty much how I want it to be um there's a couple of beers that I wouldn't change now. Um, I'm happy with the way they yeah. are. Uh, Enonra is one of them, the smoked lager. Very happy with that, with the way that is. So again, actually, that was a homebrew recipe that I upscaled and brought commercial. And the only thing I changed was the fermentation. 
um, it was the, the malt, the yeast, the hops, all exactly the same. But what I did was back when I was a homebrew, I didn't have good temperature control. I have excellent temperature control. I can literally, I've got a control panel. I can go right, I want it at this temperature and it just stays there. It's great. I can go down into the cellar, look yeah. and go, everything is exactly where it needs to be. Brilliant. Um, whereas as a homebrew, I'd come back, find temperature risen enough to quickly fill the bath with cold water and uh, put the uh, bucket in there. It's a nightmare. So I altered the fermentation. It fermented warm. When I first did it in the homebrew, this time it was fermented at 12 degrees and then it was lagered at as close to zero as I could get um, for over a month. Um, so it had a long, long conditioning time um, and just turned out really, really well. Um, particularly happy with that. And Clud, the quad, that is a homebrew recipe that I didn't adulterate. The only thing I did was I changed the yeast because I uh, stole the yeast out of uh, Chimay Blue. Got a bottle of that and I was like, yeah, it's yeast in here. I wonder if that's a primary strain, and if it is, I'm having it. And that comes to just as we were chatting off air. If you, if you just for the people that are watching, if you just show your pour of Cthulhu in the glass compared to what mine looks like, yeah, you, you've you've come from a background of saving the yeast at the bottom of the glass as opposed to me that sort of yeah, just chuck it all in, it's fine. But I mean, that is is bloody lovely. You know, you, you you've combined two of my like I said earlier, West Coast is always my thing. You know, I'll. Any West Coast IPA, I'll always try it. Um, but chucking Sabro in there, to me, is just, yes. It just ticks every single box yeah. for me. It's just one of those things that, um, because everyone is doing the New Englands and stuff, and I was like, I grew up on West Coast. Like, Punk IPA was like one of the first IPAs that I was like, yes. And it was back when it was still 6%, you know, still like, mm -hmm. I think it was quite dark at the time. You know, it had a lot of crystal malts in it. They hadn't made it super pale and lifeless like that, like it is now. And it was just like, yes, I love West Coast. And then I, I you know, founders, um, their Centennial um, and Sierra Nevada, the Torpedo, like Cornerstone yeah. West Coast IPAs. And I loved them. And I just, yeah, I just seeked out West Coast IPA wherever I went, you know. And yeah. then New England came about and I was like, yeah, it's nice, but yeah, yeah. I missed the bitterness. <laughs> just, I just want that like that kick from that when you, mm, yeah, yeah, you taste it and go hops, and then ah, yeah, bitterness on the back end. And then Sabro came out and I was just like, sort of looking around, I was like, ah, I don't think anyone's doing a West Coast with Sabro in, right? <laughs> Got to do Again, that. Do, do, yeah. Doing what I do is just, uh, you know, what I do best is just going. What hasn't other people done yet? Right, let's do that. Let's let's try that. Yeah, because like you say, because I, I like to say I love bitterness. I love that. But it's like when you're drinking a New England, it's like I don't mind New England's with a fair bit of bitterness, but I'm not drinking a New England because of the bitterness. It's like, say, West Coast IPA, I'm drinking because I know I'm going to get a lot of bitterness. That's what I'm after. If I'm yeah. drinking a, a New England, I'm after that that juicy, that fruity, you know, that stone fruit, all that sort of peach, that pineapple. That's what I'm after, not the bitterness, which, I, like I said, I don't mind it. That's why I love that West Coast style a little bit more because it's sort of a, an underappreciated style, I think, is that I think there's been a little bit of a resurgence and a love for it at the start of this year. I've seen more and more people doing it, but not still not to a point where it's just... I don't think New England style is going to get sort of knocked off the pedestal for a long time just yet. No. But it's nice to see that West Coast have sort of been getting a little bit more attention than what they have done for the last couple of years, I think. I, I think it's because West Coast generally... <laughs> And I hate, I hate to go, oh, well, you know, these 
beer styles aren't particularly hard to make and all oh, this is a more difficult beer style to make so if you do that you're better i don't want to do all that but new england's like if there's anything kind of not quite right you can sort of cover it up with loads and loads of dry hop but because yeah. the west coast isn't you know known for huge amounts of dry hop and stuff you've got to be it you've got to have it right and then work from there you know if there's a small imperfection it's, it's like sort of imperial stouts that everyone loves them but if there's mm. a very small imperfection in imperial stout you're probably not going to know because there's so many other things going on in it yeah like imagine i mean people have said i don't get how you've made it this strong and made it taste so clean and like un like people would say it doesn't drink like 17 percent yeah and I, I put a lot of work into that. You know, there's there's a lot of things that I do which most commercial breweries probably wouldn't. It's you know huge amounts of yeast, feeding the beer. There's a lot of things that go into it. But if there is a small imperfection in that beer because it is so complicated, there's so much in it, it's probably very difficult to pinpoint it, and it probably gets hidden by a lot of other things. There's like West Coast lagers and other things that they're very difficult to hide any sort of like little imperfections behind. Mm. Is what I quite like about them because a bad New England still generally pretty good. Like, unless you're just not a fan of the hops, um, yeah, yeah, there can yeah. be some terrible West Coasts. <laughs> like, I've, I've had some I've just been like, oh Jesus, yeah, yeah. no, 100%. Yeah, but I think I think we're having this conversation when when you came into the shop earlier is that looking at it cynically is that I think a lot of brewers try and brew a beer the same, you know, they've got this beer and they try and do it again, but they know it's not quite right, and like you say, they'll ever slightly tweak the recipe, chuck a few more hops in it or put an extra hop in it, then it can they can rehash it and put it as another beer. And like you say, it's not a bad beer, yeah. but it's just they can at least reuse that at least. It's not a wasted beer. Like you say, I think in like, I agree there's some Westies out there that you've had that just like, it's not for me. You know, I this sort of West Coast is what I really like. You know, the really sort of hop forward. So no, traditionally, they can be a bit more malty, a bit biscuity, you know, not as powerfully hopped but the sort of like the, the really hoppy the piney the resin you know i'm lucky that i've had a bottle of pliny the elder before you know our andy my brother he yeah. brought me a bottle back when he went to america a couple of years ago i'm, I'm very fortunate to have had that you know that's sort of like the like sort of clusters that that's on my hit list i've never had never had uh yeah never had it i really want it i want and i want the uh piney the younger yeah. as well 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 uh, there's a guy. There's a guy on Insta that gets them. There's a guy on Insta that gets them, and he, he got them in last time. I'm just like, oh, it's just the price that you're paying for that entry is just as much as I love it. It's just still a little bit too high for uh, one bottle of beer. He um, he got the Pliny for president in cans last year in October, and it's when me and when when me and Anna got married. We got married in October, and I was like, look, as a one-off, I'm going to get me one and get my dad one. I'm going to get our Andy a can, you know, and it, and it cost. You know, I think it cost about 50, 60 quid for the three cans. And I was like, look, it's, it's for the wedding. It's just like, it's a complete one-off, so I'll do it. And it's just like, lovely, absolutely staggering West Coast beer. You know, couldn't couldn't speak highly of it. But like you say, it's, I want to go there and drink it. I want to go to the West Coast. I want to go to California. I want to drink it and drink it on tap from Russian River and just drink it all. I mean, I listen to a lot of beer podcasts and you, you just hear about... Um, you know, Russian River, they are mm. the brewery that everyone wants to be, you know, that because they've got yeah. this world-renowned IPA. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those things, like, when you ask an American brewery, oh, yeah, who would you collab with? They'll probably just be like, you know what, Russian River. <laughs> we just, we, we just, yeah. 
we just want to you know bask in the glory that is them um and i mean quite rightly i mean i've seen mm. countless recipes for clones of that beer and you're just like how close are these clones if one of them is almost spot on i want i want to know which one it is because i want yeah. to because <laughs> i can't get the beer so i want to make it um, yeah but yeah i'm um, uh, yeah, it's one that I really want. Um, I'm just yeah, still to be still to go to America. Yes, uh, it's definitely a place I want to go. Yeah, well, this is I've, 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 I'm very poorly travelled in general. In UK wide, I'm fine. Furthest I've been actually outside UK is Germany, and that was for like a, a work trip for literally two days. Um, but like America is on my hit list to go because I mean I, I follow American football, I follow New England Patriots, so I've always said I want to go to New England and do that sort. Of, Boston, Massachusetts area, then sort of New York as well. But oh, nice. I, I, I like California. Like I said, I have to go to that coast just just for that. Like just just send me there for that because I'm I'm not like I've like I said, I've only flown twice. I'm not a massive sort of fan of flying the two times I've done it. But it's like just let me sleep all the way there. I'm fine if I know that's at the end of it. If that's my end goal, I'm fine with that. Travel wise, I've done I've flown quite a bit, um, but me me and my uh, girlfriend we quite often go to belgium and uh amsterdam mm. and we drive we okay. uh not obviously since uh, the pandemic and uh subsequent uh brexit um which might make things difficult maybe a little bit difficult now yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, before, but before then we were just like right we need a holiday where are we going mm, belgium or amsterdam We'll pay. Yeah. And then we just we just drive down to like Dover or Folkestone. We get the Eurostar or the ferry across and mm-hmm. we just drive and we drive up to wherever we're going. You know, we the Eurostar ends in Calais and the ferry is either uh, Calais or Dunkirk. You could just drive straight up to Belgium. So that's what we do. And then we, we bring a big load yeah. of beer back because <laughs> it's like, well, got my car, yeah, why not? Load it. And then uh, <laughs> we, we, did a, yeah, we did a tour. We did. Um, we went into Belgium, had a couple of nights and a bit of a trip around Belgium. And then from Belgium, we drove up to Amsterdam, had a few, a few nights in Amsterdam. And then uh, we did, I think it was about a 16 hour drive back all the way to Leeds, all the way, all the way wow. through loads of countries. <laughs> so we ferry across and then back up to uh, the UK. But uh, fan- yeah, fantastic. Ad. But yeah, America, def- definitely on the hit list. So many fantastic breweries over there. Yeah. Um, that I've yeah, well, me and Anna, obviously, like I say, we got we got married in October, and we were sort of before the pandemic is because we love Cornwall, and that's where that's where we got married. And we were saying, you know, we'll make an exception for the honeymoon. We'll we'll try and go somewhere. Different. So we're looking at sort of Spain, Portugal, Italy, you know, different places that we could go and things. And obviously, like you say, pandemic hit, so we couldn't do it. But we're yeah. sort of planning that sort of um, when things go back to normal, Brexit allowing. Covid allowing, we'd said, look, we might sort of go for a sort of a long weekend yeah. somewhere, you know, to these places, just check them out and fly. But pal of mine, he, he loves driving, you know, and, he, and he's driven to France, he's driven to Belgium, he's driven to Germany, he's, you know, down to Le Mans, all, all sorts. But he loves driving as well. Look, if we just want to go to Germany, do you fancy just we'll get in your car? I'll give you, I'll just pay you fuel, whatever it is, new drive. And he's just like, yeah, we'll go do it, and we'll just go check up some spots in Germany, Belgium, whatever. Go drinking and, like I said, like you said, assuming. Brexit allows us to still do that. Why not? You know, it's almost like, like you say, it's a tour, isn't it? You know, you can stop off at different places across different countries as that you can't do when you're flying because you're there direct. So it gives you more chance for stop-offs and to to visit some more places. So I mean, me and my girlfriend, we we planned 
uh, ages ago. Um, we, we never actually did it. We planned a two-week holiday where we we're going to drive, and it involved uh, going to Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, uh, Copenhagen, back into Germany, stopping off in Belgium for a little bit on the way back, and then heading all around. So we were doing this massive loop <laughs> and back. Uh, and we were going to drive it, um, but unfortunately, uh, that never never happened. Mm. It was we're kind of working out the costs and we're just like yeah it's going to be quite a lot <laughs> but uh you're out driving but it's all it's all you're spending money that's the problem isn't it it's just and especially if you're drinking beer along the way that's the well that, that was one of the reasons we want to go because we're just like i want I, I wanted to go to, well we both want to really go to copenhagen um you know because mckella to war pigs you know it's just yeah and there were so many um i wanted to go do the mckellar bars because a lot of them i've got like restaurants and stuff in them and like yeah yeah places sound amazing just to go eat and then the beer will be great as well we're just like (sighs) and then we were we were i think we planned on flying to copenhagen and then obviously well the past year has been a bit of a blur really (laughs) so yeah yeah. (laughs) but uh yeah no we uh um, I mean, I'm just a massive beer nerd. I just, just German, Belgian, American, English doesn't really matter. Just as long as it's a good beer, beer's beer, yeah. So I've I've always tried like I mean, I'm I'm sort of like a bit of a geek for like military history and sort of like World War One and two that sort of thing. So I did that in school and A levels and things. So I've always said to Anna, I was like, I want to go so I do it trench tours in France and Belgium and Netherlands and Germany and go to all these different places and see it. And obviously, to Anna, that's just not her idea of a holiday. It's just she's not interested in that in the slightest. So, I mean, I've tried, I've always tried to tie that in with something, but I've never quite achieved it yet. But given travel sort of such yeah. a, a taboo subject, I might, might kind of make it fly that even if we go into somewhere, if I can just do this, but we've gone abroad, I might, I might be able to get away with it. So, I mean, it, but, it's, it's weird. Um, because I've driven in Belgium quite a lot and like Flanders is an absolutely lovely place and obviously we know the Flanders fields and all that but it's so flat like you just like yeah. in England you expect a hill like you just drive and you're like mm. I know there's a hill somewhere I look yeah hill it it's just completely flat it's really eerie you're just looking around just going I mm. can't even see like even a small crescent anywhere um yeah i yeah. mean it's, it's called the lowlands for a reason um but yeah yeah no i would uh you still it still takes you back a little bit a bit of a different change change of pace almost no it's, it was well, interesting uh, that you're into into history because obviously i'm into history but much much further <laughs> back yeah yeah further back yeah <laughs> the greek and roman stuff so yeah yeah well that's it because I've, I've always sort of history sort of been driven into because I'm almost like sort of Tudor history she's like sort of all the like the, the monarchy and things my mum loves that sort of stuff but I'm sort of a lot more modern military like World War Two, one Cold War that's you know Vietnam War that sort of thing which a lot of people would argue is not really history because it's quite recent but I loved all that sort of thing you know delve back a little bit further maybe to Boer Wars and things then but any further back it just I just sort of I lose interest but like you say it's that sort of thing is just always it. And I always kind of wonder, should I have pursued that a little bit more? Like sort of at university and things, but then it's like, how far can you really take history? You know, it's unless you're going to be like a, a history teacher or 
you know, yeah, some sort of because you know you can get um, weirdest things is that you, you constantly think, oh, where can I have been if I've done this, where I've done that. Mm. And school really doesn't prepare you for actually being out in the real world bar problem yeah. solving and stuff. Because, I mean, I, I kind of was in school, decided that, you know, I could have done, I was going to take classics at university. I was mm. going to study ancient history. And it was a toss up between, do I want potentially a desk job doing that or if I do with the chemistry, I could be in a lab. I could be, you know, potentially making things blow up. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 you know, that, and that was A-level thing, A-level thinking. I was like, ah, I do chemistry at university. It'll be great. I'm glad I did because, you know, I met my, met my girlfriend there and, you know, and it was just, they don't really tell you that if you do certain subjects, it's not cut and dry. Or if you do history, you'll end up being a history teacher. Yeah. There is yeah, yeah. actually quite a lot you could probably do with history you know everyone forgets that actually um film productions and all that they have specialists to come and tell them about whatever the film is about so they're you know uh, braveheart and stuff you can be like a um consultant for films movie productions and stuff yeah you know, to help them better replicate it and it's and it's stuff like that you just they don't really tell you in school you're just like oh well you know this job will get you behind the desk or doing this and stuff actually there's so much more you know i mean yeah, i did yeah. chemistry and i did not expect to be working in breweries making beer and then subsequently having a brewery <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't but... it wasn't a job option you got told that told about at school you got told you can be a scientist or a politician or a lawyer or you can be a mm. teacher or you can do this and when you actually get out into the real world, it's like, oh gosh, there's a multitude yeah. of things you can do. I could actually be anything. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, I, I did sports science, you know, I did, I did sports science at uni, which I've never had a full-time job in doing that qualification at all. You know, I've done a couple of bits on the side of, you know, volunteer work and, and doing some placements and things, but I've never actually worked in that field. And do I see myself ever working in that field ever again? No, I don't, you know, because it's, I don't ever see it as a as a full time job now. Not because I got into this scene at all, but that sort of world, you know, like you said, that there wasn't there wasn't that many jobs out there at the time of qualifying from uni. Like I said, I got a couple of placements and and things like that, but I was never really going to get a full time career out of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's I think like you say is that you're almost expected to really sort of like you say at eighteen, you're expected to know what you want to do for the rest of your life, and it's like well, no. I, I, I've no idea, you know, and I was like, so that, to like now he's like, I love what I'm doing, like working in the shop at, at Yorkshire Craft Beers, I love what I'm doing. Did I expect to be doing that? No. And if you sort of pinpointed me into a career now, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? I still wouldn't be able to tell you what I want to do, you know, yeah. because obviously, it, you know, it's working in the shop, but it's like, what, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? I've no idea. You know, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, some people I, don't realise that till 30, 40, do you know what I mean? It's, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, coming out with a master's in chemistry, I thought I was going to land some high roller lab job, you know, working on new wave technologies, nanotechnology, and all that. Because I specialize in organic chemistry, you know, boiling things, making new chemicals and all that. You know, I think one, one particular chemical uh, produced a brand new actual molecule. Um, yeah. And it worked out that it would be like 600 pounds a gram. So to buy one gram of this stuff, it would cost 600 quid. Wow. Like on the, you know, and 
that's the kind of stuff that I was synthesizing at uni and doing that crazy stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'll come out of uni, get this high roller job, earning, you know, however many, you know, tens of thousands a year. Mm. I end up working in a water lab for 14 grand a year. <laughs> you know, that you get told when you're at, when you're at school, oh well, if you do this, you'll get a really well no. It doesn't it doesn't work like it's it's you know no. it's ridiculous. You you just you know, most most people I've been to school with uh, school and uni with, you know, they're scraping by, you're just doing whatever they can, you know, it's yeah. harsh. And you're told, yeah. oh, well, you know, you'll earn loads if you do this. Other <laughs> season lies. But, yeah. uh, but again, I'd never expect to be a brewer. Just like you never probably never expected to be in the craft beer scene doing what you do now. You know, it's 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 weird. No, you no. Know? Well, that's it. After after sort of like after school and sixth form, my interest in drinking just plummeted. You know, it went. You know, I went to uni, but I lived at home. I didn't go. You know, I, I didn't go and live out at uni, so I didn't really go out much. Um. So my interest in drinking sort of just just dropped really. Um, so if you'd have asked me at that point, do I ever see myself in this scene? I'd have just laughed at you, really, because it's like, well, no, I don't, I don't like beer. Why would I go work in it? But yeah, it's just it's weird how the world, weird out world works, you know. And I think there's the reason why I've kind of been so taken by the scene, really, is you know we're doing what we're doing now. You know, until you came into the shop a month or so ago, we'd never met before. But every, you know, ninety nine percent of people just seem so nice and welcoming and friendly that we can have this conversation now that like we've had in the shop earlier today and before that you just want to be a part of it for the people as much as anything yeah i think with this with this kind of scene you just gotta be because if you look at drink the general drinking public still at large craft beer makes what five percent of the total of stuff that's drunk in the uk it's a very small margin and how many craft breweries are there in the uk mm. there's yeah. a lot yeah so, and there's more than the more than the big players isn't this so. yeah exactly you've, you've got what like five macro breweries you know uh, yeah. most of them have brands underneath them but when you look at who actually owns them you know it's san miguel it's uh cause it's um ab and bev and carlsberg uh heineken there's mm. five yeah, yeah and they're the ones that i can think of and they own uh Asahai as well. I think there's like six main people and they yeah. own pretty much all of the brands that you see in the supermarkets. And we're kind of up against that. There's like six, seven big guys, but there's a lot of us. And if we don't work together, craft beer will just implode itself, you know. So we, you know, you do have to, you know, and I think I think everyone generally does it on the whole support each other and you know i've, I've been yeah. approached by breweries and um in Leeds saying hey look you guys are new um we're fairly new with you know banding together as small brewers um if we you know as and when this whole pandemic thing closes and you know we're allowed to meet up do you want to come for a pint and we'll get like a little small brewers congregation done and we'll just sit and help each other you know if you you know run out of something you can just drive to us and pick it up and you know we'll charge you for cost that's it you know and mm. you've not lost out or anything and you know we've not really lost out so it's just that thing and i think that's great i mean as you know you guys have helped me today because yeah. i've been struggling with getting couriers set up um mm. my branch of a courier that i wanted to use told me i needed 250 quid's worth of consignment 
which a small brewer I'm probably not going to hit. But you guys have the courier set up and you offered to send them out. So, you know, I've, I've done that twice now and it's mm. helped me massively because I'm now getting my beer to London, Bristol, other places which would just have been impossible for me to get it to. And yeah. in that way, I mean, you guys didn't need to do it. You're theoretically helping competitors, you know, get access to, you know, the beer that you also supply. Um, mm. But it's that sort of bit more like collaborative uh, feeling that I think uh, is is great about the craft beer scene. Yeah, well, this is it, and, and, and we don't do it, you know, we, we don't give out favours and, and sort of expecting something for return, but it's sort of like that, it's good karma, isn't it? You know, it's one of them things that good karma, if you give it, you know, if you show some sort of help and support somebody, you're going to get it back in turn when when you need it, you know, and I, like I say, we don't do it for favours in return, but it's just nice to be nice, you know, we say that, it's just, you know, like you say, we're sending it to other bottle shops rather than sort of to consumer, but, you know, those consumer, you know, those other bottle shops are not, next door they're sort of a distance away from us you know so they're not sort of a direct competitors but even if they were it's like well you know what what's the harm do you know what i mean it's like we accept yeah. that you know there's other bottle shops out there we're not the only bottle shop it's like so why would you get sort of snippy about helping people out it's just and sometimes people wouldn't do that you know like I said some some people wouldn't do that but for the most part the the scene in general is quite a welcoming space that people are willing to to lend a hand to like say if it's lending equipment or ideas or support or like we'll come yeah. over here and give you a hand it's you know it's it's just those little bits that it's just such an you know and like you say a lot of breweries now are made up of brewers that have been at one space before so everyone kind of in some ways knows each other in a lot of ways so it's yeah. um, you, you it's, just with everyone's connected festivals and other things you just end up knowing pretty much everyone um, yeah unfortunately i set up in the year where none of that has happened yeah. So uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I've, I've had to, you know, use Instagram and other things to try and, you know, get contacts and stuff, which has been actually worked really well. You know, I'm, I've done a bottle swap yeah. with low key barrel projects. Um, you know, I'm expecting their beers to land tomorrow, actually. And they mm. don't do normal beers a bit like me. They've got loads of Imperial Stouts and Barley Wines and Barrel Age stuff. So that's really cool. And yeah, just it, it, it's just doing little things like that where you don't expect anything in return for doing something but you know that probably further down the line it's going to get paid back in some way um yeah you know and it's like doing these the podcasts the live tastings and stuff for what is essentially just an hour or two of time it's kind of invaluable for someone so small because it's just it's that exposure it's that you know getting you know your name out there and letting people know that hey i'm here this is what i'm doing and this is why i'm doing it and it's yeah. not, and because sometimes it's so hard to get your sort of your sort of ethos and what you're trying to achieve across to people so when you do these things mm -hmm. it's like yeah this is this is what i'm attempting and you just yeah. hope that people are kind of on board with it <laughs> well that's it and, and this is sort of why i started doing this you know I, I started doing this in sort of the middle of the the lockdown of the pandemic last year um you know, just uh, because I wanted to do something for myself to sort of st stop myself from just getting incredibly bored. But B, albeit my reach is fairly limited in terms of my followers, but it's if I can at least help you now get you one sale or two sales or whatever, it's like it's one person gets to know you that might not have got to know you. You know, it's like you say, you're putting a lot of time and effort into getting a, a broader reach. But if I can get you, like say, 
20, 30 followers, whatever it is, or it's a couple of sales here and there. It just, and then it's word of mouth from there, isn't it? You know, people yeah, share, exactly. like you say, the power of Instagram is incredible now. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is it's like, it, whether, whether this gets however many views and gets me one, two, 10, 15, 100 sales or whatever, the thing is, it doesn't matter what size that is, because if one person drinks the beer and likes it and tells two people, they drink the beer and they like it and they tell two people, mm. it just yeah, expands yeah. from there. So it, it, whatever happens, whatever the return, it's always worth that, you know, it's always worth the time. I think that's, you know, and we're, we're not, we're not Budweiser. We can't spend you yeah. know, <laughs> however many millions that they spend on advertising during the Super Bowl or whatever. You know, we've, you know, and I think it, that's also a good thing because, you know, <laughs> who, who needs to advertise during the Super Bowl? But doing things like this, it is advertisement. And I think it's more personal as well. It's it's not, yeah, a, 100%. It's not a corporation. Oh, look at our beer. We're the king of beers and all that. It's You actually get to know the person. Does anyone actually know yeah. the CEO of Budweiser <laughs> from the yeah, commercial? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, so, you know, from, from sort of, ground level to top level in most craft breweries there might not even be one person in between do you know what i mean it might yeah. be obviously like yourself it's you are the brewery do you know what i mean you're the brand you know what i mean there's you know you and jordan that's it but as, a, as an entity it is predominantly you but even if you go to sort of even sort of things that are a little bit larger than you it might be well social media might be the person that deals with it but like literally the next person is the owner who was the brewer or still is the brewer or what have you it's like everyone is still involved in some way shape or form you know not every brewery is a case of where now the owners we do this brewers do that and etc etc it's still i mean very much hands-on and involved brew york on the production side it was assistant brewers brewers and then it was lee who was managing director and head brewer and now they've expanded mm. Actually, what they've done is Lee's director of brewing, I think is his official title, and they've now yeah. got another head brewer. So even between the brewers, uh, production managers as well, even between the brewers, there's really not that many steps. From the yeah. bottom to the top, there's like five five steps, and you know, the pretty much all of them are still just walking around the brewery. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not like they're, they're sat in an office or sat in a you know, Ferrari mm. driving around the Nürburgring or something, they're, they're there, they're, they're integral. Yeah. yeah, well, that's it. And, and you know, as, as people think it's a lot of glitz and glamour in this industry, which I always say is that when you sort of go sort of peek behind the curtain a little bit is there's a lot of hard work and a lot of effort. And yes, some breweries can be quite prosperous, but it's still not a sort of a, a money sort of there's not it's not you don't suddenly start brewing and have a money tree do you know what i mean like you say you're not driving in fancy cars and what's your job ah just yeah just go to brewing just sit about and what have you know yeah. there's still a lot of hard work that, that needs to go on even on these sort of bigger scale breweries in the craft scene it's still a lot of work to be done even sort of it's, it's, it's the unseen sort of tasks really yeah that people that you just you just brew beer and drink beer that's it oh yeah that's all we do yeah that's literally it yeah but no, there's a, there's a lot more to it than that. I think is uh, is I mean, quite a misconception. I think. Yeah, just just to even come up with a new idea. I mean, it can be a lot of it can be a lot of work just to even come up with a new beer recipe. I've I've spent mm. I've got I've got a book full of them, and I'm constantly pouring through them and going. No, not that one. 
Mm. <laughs> I mean, I've, there's one I really want to brew, but every time I keep mentioning it, people are just like, no, no, <laughs> no. I'm like, but, but no. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it doesn't, uh, the, re- the reason is it involves squidding, but you know, just, I just, I agree. I really want to do it, but yeah. everyone's just like, yeah, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, no. <laughs> But it's like the guys at Pig Love, you know, they, they you know they're a great example. You know, they they did their their goes that's got grasshopper salts in it. You know, yeah. so it, I, I don't see that any different to to that really. No, that, so. that actually was I had that and I was just like, really? Hmm. Mm. And I, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the problem is that everything obviously is in this space is generally vegan and or vegetarian. I think, and obviously, if you yeah. sort of going down that route, that kind of wipes that out really, but. Like you say, if it's if it's a one-off, you know, give it a go, see what happens. It's I, I use I use lactose a little bit, not hugely. Like I've done yeah. two two beers with it in, no three beers, done three beers with it in, and you know that obviously makes it vegetarian, not vegan. Um, but I do try and keep everything sort of vegetarian and ve- uh, at least vegetarian and vegan. Um, mm. You know, I did I did plan on doing a bacon stout with bacon. Um, so obviously that would be a one-off, but yeah. uh, you know, it's yeah, it is one of those people. You know, everyone, you know, horses for courses. You know, you just such a wide array of beer and breweries. You're gonna get all sorts yeah. coming out. So we can we can expect to see a squid ink beer sometime soon. Then I I really want to do it. Like <laughs> it, it's the one thing I'm just like yes, really want to do this beer, and. Uh, everyone's just like, are you because sure? it's it's squid ink, seaweed, and Himalayan sea salt and yuzu. Okay. Um, I need to find yuzu because that's not the easiest thing to find. Mm. It was like going to be like a Japanese inspired goes. It was just going to be super simple yeah. base malt, and then also just going to make it black with the squid ink. Um, so yeah, uh, so that was kind yeah. of my idea, but uh. People are just like, oh, are you sure? Like I say, people buy it. You know, people are willing to take a punt on most things. So I think a lot of people would just buy it just, just to give it a go. You know, just like I said, people are in it for something different, yeah. something unique. So yeah, I'd, 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 I'd certainly buy it. You know, sours and goes as you know for me, I just yeah, I'd certainly give it a try. So yeah, well, you've got one set. You've got one sale. There you go. There that's we go. Just, uh, yeah, that's all I'll, you need. I'll, I'll yeah. Do it. Is brewing tomorrow. Yeah. That's all I need. Right. Yeah. Do you want, do you want me to uh, do you want to put it in a magnum for you? That way I can get a little bit more out the door. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Why not? Yeah. And then so you turn around, it's £25 per bottle. And it's like, nah, actually, no, I'm, I'm all right. I'm probably okay, wouldn't be pushing actually, that so. to people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, with that in mind, Jack, what sort of, what does your 2020 20, 2021 even look like as best as you can plan for this year what sort of what are your plans for the rest of the year as much as you can plan as at the minute anyway keg um biggest one um we're doing a test keg uh soon uh which is going to a local bar slash bottle shop um just to see how it goes and then hopefully when and if we're allowed potentially some beer festivals would be great um Mm -hmm. And hopefully an expansion. We want to get to a point where we're constantly selling out of the beers we produce. At that point, we kind of go, right, yeah, we need to expand and hopefully expand to a, uh, you know, 
you know, eight or 10 barrel kit, uh, which is, mm-hmm. you know, 16 times bigger than what I've got at the moment. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, mm-hmm. and then just, just keep just weird, weird beers. Um, cause it's what's working for us. It's what's getting us known. So yeah, just keep up with us. Um, and hopefully some collabs, um, I know there's at least a uh, one or two on the cards. Uh, not sure when they might happen, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. we because uh, I mean again collabs. When we go to a brewery and collab, we don't get any money or anything for it. It's just they're usually a bigger brewery, and it gets yeah. our name out there, which is just so much. It, it helps us massively. So that is it's free advertising, isn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you do kind of get a little bit of a say on the recipe as well. You can always just say, oh, well, maybe you thought about maybe this. And they're like, oh, right, yeah, well, I could do that. And, you know, it's just a bit just a bit of fun, really. And then you go get to see other breweries and generally get pissed with their brewer. There's, there's, there's worse ways to earn money, isn't there, mate? So, you yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we've got, we got, we got plans for this year. Uh, we just need to, need to see how it goes. Um, you know, we can, we can sustain what we're doing on the small kit for... For a little while longer, um, but in the long run, we do need to do need to grow a bit bigger. Oh, and buy a van. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we again we had this conversation yeah. early, didn't we? There's only so there's only so many times you can drive around in a in a Fiesta with everything crammed right to the roof. It's... I mean, it, it sounds like a small goal, but uh, it's going to be a day of celebration when we get a van. It's just just those yeah. little things. We've got a van. Celebrate. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm I'm weird because I've always said that. I I mean, I love. Volkswagen and sort of Volkswagen group products. And I've always said, I want to transport a van, even if it's not like a converted one to a camper. As like, if I could just have a vault, like a, a transporter and just have it as a van, if I want lottery, that'd be one of the first things that I buy is a, is a nice. converted van to a camper van. It's like, that's my sort of life goal is if I can buy a van and then eventually convert it, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm done. I'm sold. That's my dream. I won't buy a Ferrari, I won't buy a Lamborghini. I want a van, which knows a very, very weird thing. I think they're just so versatile. Just yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we we're, we're not going to get a massive van. I think uh, the ones we're looking at are like the uh, like the Citroen Berlingo, the one that looks like a car at the yeah, front, like, and then it's got like a big the big van bit at the back. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because um, probably don't need anything bigger than that at the moment. Um, so yeah, we you know small dreams, um, but um, yeah, yeah. Maybe one day, mate. Maybe one day you need that big van. Yeah. Full of full of full of Abaddon kegs going out left, right, and centre. Yeah, I mean the the Abaddon <laughs> kegs might actually be sooner than rather than later. Um, we've already had two mm. people basically say, "Are you doing a Abaddon keg?" Uh, well, it looks like we are now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we've we've actually got another Abaddon uh, brew in the schedule for as soon as the tank's free, so that we can get some kegs off and also restock because. Yeah. The only Abaddon I think we have left in stock is the Kivik Abaddon, and there's not a yeah. lot of that left either. So, yeah, so uh... yeah. Well, we tried to place an order for the the coffee and the coconut this week. I think you have the coconut's gone. You said the coffee you'd, you'd had a box come free, but the coconut yeah. one was all gone. But there's a demand for it, mate. So yeah, keep doing it. Just keep knocking it out as for as long as the demand's there, mate. Just keep doing it. Just keep yeah, keep going. Well, we've we've got. We've... <laughs> We're not, we're not, we're doing one last, we're doing a brew of coconut, Abaddon, and then I think Abaddon's going to take a bit of a break for a little while, but yeah. we do have some other stupid beers coming out. I've got a yeast that apparently can handle 25% alcohol. 
Oh, okay. Um, and as I keep telling people, yes, I do plan on testing it. Uh, Why not? Because, you know, if it says it can do it, I'm going to attempt to do it. So we've, uh, we've got a plan for that. And then, uh, you know, we've, Baden will be back, um, but we've, we've got a couple of other Imperial Stouts and other things we want to want to get out. And uh, Baden, yeah, yeah. Baden's a long beer to make, so we kind of want to put it on hold a little bit, get some other things out, bring it back, uh, probably in some new iterations. Um, God knows what they'll be. Probably something stupid. Oh, yeah, whatever you can come up with. So so the 25% squid ink goes is uh, is a goer then. Is that what we're saying? Is that, that, is that what's happening? It goes... The girls, I think, was shooting for six to seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, the 25% who I think I was going to do a rye wine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see, because that I can see that being a long, long beer. It's going to be in tank for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that won't be a, a quick process. No. So, but, you know, we're, we're getting there. And we'll... You've got to try these things, mate. You've got to try yeah. it. No. We'll just, just hope that if you never try, you'll never yeah. know. 25%, we'll just hope that it tastes as, uh, as good as a bad one does um, and doesn't just taste of pure alcohol. Like I say, but there's worse things that it tastes like, though, mate, isn't there? So, but we will see. We will see. But uh, but before we uh, we wrap up, then, Jack, um, where can people find out more about you and your beers? So at the moment, we don't have a website. We are going to be. Uh, getting an online store soon um we've had the license and i'm hoping we can incorporate uh you know an on you know some bump about ourselves at the moment we're very active on instagram uh that's pretty much our main outlet for everything new beers what we're doing you know all that kind of stuff so instagram definitely the place uh for us um and yeah obviously to get a hold of beers i mean you guys at york Craft beers you've almost got everything i think um if i recall pretty much yeah apart from the stuff that's sold out yeah, yeah so. Um, so and i don't really think there's many places that have much of Baden left to be fair because ev- everyone keeps coming back and going have you got more <laughs> there's not much there's not much of it actually no. left so. uh, you know the, the general drinking public apparently just like 17 percent stouts uh so we don't we don't we don't have a lot of it um but yeah no we you know and we're always happy to uh you know if people do need to know where to get anything and stuff you know we're happy to reply to you know direct messages on instagram and stuff so we're, we're very open um because it is just me and my partner uh we're usually floating around on instagram and uh, checking to see if anyone's drinking our beer so yeah direct messages and stuff we're always happy to just you know have a quick uh, quick chat and just be like this way you can get it or these people have this particular beer or you know if you're drinking our beer let us know <laughs> yeah okay. Feed, feedback's always welcome mate isn't it so perfect yeah right mate well i think that pretty much takes us to the end so thank you very much for for joining thank you very much for the the westy for the beer uh, it's uh, it's i'm definitely going to buy another bottle from work um if if it wasn't if it wasn't so high, I think I could drink that quite quite regularly. Um, but that is um, a very dangerous, easy drink yeah. at a twelve percent. Very very dangerous at twelve percent. So, but very tasty nonetheless. Um, again, Hell and Cthulhu, two beers that I actually won't change. Like I'm really happy with them as they are. So, 
I'm glad I'm glad everyone else is happy with uh, the bit with them as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I could I could quite happily sit and drink them back to back one after the other. But I think if I had another bottle of either, I think that'd be uh, I think that'd be me going to bed to be honest. So <laughs> I think after them two tonight, that'll be that'll be me um, until until the weekend. So. But no, mate, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for joining. Yeah. Um, so anybody listening or watching, please please go check Jack out with Tartarus. Um, try his beers. We, we've got plenty of New York craft beers, but anywhere else, if you do see them, please please do go check them out because they are definitely, definitely worth the, worth the attention and all the all the plaudits they're getting. But, uh, but Jack, hopefully, well, we'll see you again soon when you come in the shop. But yeah. fingers crossed sometime soon we'll, uh, we'll be sharing a beer somewhere outdoors covid friendly covid secure of course um but enjoying some of the nice weather we've had and uh having a pint or two that'll be amazing yeah all right well uh, i'll speak to you again soon mate all right yeah cheers all right. Thank, you, Take care, mate. thank you very much